Welcome to this week's Bible study, and we're going to be talking about what is family, unity, and community. What does the Bible have to say about this? We're going to take our scripture straight from Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 14. I don't normally like to read this many verses into it, but there's so much to be said about this. And it says, The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scripture looks forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessings Abraham received because of his faith. Curse through law, blessings through faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all of the commands that are written in God's book of law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, It's through faith that righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessings he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now, I've got much of this study listening to Pastor Eric at Mariner Church in Costa Mesa, California a few weeks ago. He was teaching about this, and I think it really brings it home for all of us. You know, in India, animals are worth more than the human beings. Isn't that interesting? Haiti, people think they are cursed, and anyone who can curse another with voodoo. That's how they live down there. It's in this constant fear. It's not in unity. It's not in family. What do you do if you feel like you're cursed? In our scriptures, we learn that in verse 7 of our scripture today, they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So if we're of the same faith, we are of the family of God. We are of the family of Abraham. In verse 8, we read, God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. In verse 9, it's because of their faith. In verse 10, it says, is clear about who is cursed. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. And then when we read in verse 11 and 12, no man is justified by the law of the eyes of God because the law is not of faith. Then finally in verse 13, it summarizes it well when it says, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. So you can see, we need the law to show what our sin is, but we have this faith now that has shown that we have been forgiven of that and we're no longer cursed with this. 
when we think about how it keeps emphasizing that it's through this faith, it's our belief. Strong's definition of faith says it's persuasion that is credence, moral conviction of religious truth of the truthfulness of God or religious teachers, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. Abstractly, consistency in such profession by extension, the system of religion, the gospel, truth itself, assurance, belief, believe, faith, fidelity. That's how the Strong's Bible Dictionary defines it. Everyone who doesn't trust Jesus is cursed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. If we only had faith in Christ, the curse is lifted. We're not cursed. The Haitians don't have to worry about being cursed by anyone or anything if they believe in Christ. If we take a look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 18, this is God's promise to Abraham. And it says, Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. In verse 17, it goes on and it says, This is what I mean trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. This is clear. The message is clear of unity, family, and community. Most of us know that an inheritance is speaking of family, and some with deep pockets leave an inheritance to nonprofit organizations or to the community for an investment on certain types of projects. An inheritance is a promise written down for us. The promise came first, and the law in Exodus came secondly. So why the law? Take a look at Galatians 3.19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. The law shows you cannot keep law. That's why it exists. It proves that you need Jesus, the grace of Jesus. People cannot rely on their own goodness to save them, but just turn it into faith or turn to God for faith. It's clear in Romans 3, 19 through 20, in chapter 4, verse 15, in chapter 5, verse 20, in chapter 7, verses 7 through 13, all in the book of Romans. These verses clarify why the Mosaic law existed. Faith bounds us together like family, and it makes us the family of God. You know, in rural Amish culture, the building of a barn is a social event. For an Amish 
farmer to build his own barn would take months, many months. But the Amish do it together. An Amish farmer usually assembles everything he needs to build a barn such as lumber and tools. He has everything all laid out. And then on a designated day, the entire Amish community gathers early, divvies up the tasks, and together pitches in to raise a barn, sometimes in a single day. That's unity, that's community, and that's family. All of us together as one community or family are Christ's body, and each one of us is a part of it. At 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. God has equipped each of us differently. In community, we're encouraged to carry each other's burdens, as it says in Galatians 6, 2. This is how you obey the law of Christ. If we look at Galatians 3.24, it says, let me put it another way. The law was a guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be right with God through, how? Faith. The law is like a child's guardian. That's the Greek tutor that they teach uh, in Greco-Roman culture. A guardian was a faithful slave responsible for training and protecting the heirs until they came of age. Let's take a look at Galatians 3 verses 27 through 29 and it says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Look at that. We are true children of Abraham. And he says it doesn't matter what your culture is, and it doesn't matter what sex you are. We're all heirs. Baptism represents death of an old life and birth into a new one. In the new life, the law's curse no longer has any force. Romans 7 verses 1 through 6 will teach you that. The baptism put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Literally have put on Christ. Christ covers us and gives us a new identity. We can see that in Colossians 3.12 and 1 Thessalonians 5.8 and Ephesians 4.5. The only reason why you are right with God is because you are pulled together. There's no gender rule. He's not colorblind and he created all cultures. So it doesn't matter. We are clothed in Christ. We are wearing Jesus. You have more in common if you are clothed with Christ. When you think about it, that is the commonality. Jesus is the source of our unity. Not because of the zip code that you live in or what party affiliation you belong to or if you're attending the same school or that we eat the same foods or if we're of the same culture. It doesn't matter. Our real unity now becomes a community of Christ regardless of economic status or the color of our skin or gender identity. It's the most unbiased society that we live in. Remember what verse 28 said, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So we are a part of a global family 
from every tongue and culture in the world. We are not cured, we are blessed. Scripture says that because we're better together than we are alone, Romans 12 verses 4 through 5, it can be hard for some of us to commit to community, especially if we're guarded or preferred solitude. But community is God's desire for us and a design for mature faith. Romans 12 5 says, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We might mingle at church or catch up in the break room at work, but that doesn't mean we have authentic community. Here's the deal. God didn't intend for us to live in isolation. He specifically designed us to crave and to thrive in relationship with others. We're our best selves when we experience life's highs and lows with others. That means everyone, whether you are single or married, needs community. When it comes down to it, it's lifting each other up, learning from one another, and being the friend of each of us needs. That's how Hebrew describes community. Hebrews 10 verses 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love that because it's very clear in that scripture when he says that, that we love each other by doing good deeds for each other and meeting together. How important is this? Important enough for Paul to write it down and for God to have him share it with us. Only be depending on one another can we experience what God has for us and accomplish his amazing plan for our lives, like building a barn in a day. Let me kind of conclude with this statement. In, in Christ, the church includes all those who believe, regardless of ethnicity. God chooses or chose a unique person to reveal that mystery. Saul, a very zealous Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin, who was also known as Paul. And Paul was a Roman citizen. Saul persecuted the early church or the early Christians because he saw them as members of a religious cult. Nevertheless, God chose him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. By preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ to the Gentiles, Paul called the church to show the love of Christ to the whole universe. Today, as then, our love for our community or other people shows Christ's love for all of us as one family and community in unity. We can build a barn in a day. Believe me. Take care. God bless you.